Ah, and we are live! Uh, welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart radio so however you want to watch or listen we've got you covered multiple ways Alrighty, today is a big old Thursday. We have an absolute packed show today. A lot of NBA on last night. A lot of stories to go over. And uh, we are going to continue on with our Justin Fields kind of second look at this man. This is going to be one of the picks, you know, five, ten years down the line where either Justin Fields is real good or Justin Fields is really bad and maybe not even in the league in five to ten years. But I think this Justin Fields kind of take by everybody, It's I think it's kind of split really kind of 50-50 down the middle of this man's going to succeed in the league or this man is not he's going to be bad he's not even going to like make it he's going to be trashed like Dwayne Haskins maybe even worse but, uh, well, not worse than Dwayne Haskins, I don't think. But uh, you, you know what I mean. I mean, we, there's just so many kind of different opinions out here on Justin Fields. And I want to I be on the right side of this argument come five, ten years down the line when we're looking back. Because I think this is going to be one of these kind of, you know, takes, a sports take out there. You know, a couple years down the line where people kind of dig through your old takes. Be like, oh, you didn't think Justin Fields was going to be good? Oh, why should I listen to you? Or, oh, you thought Justin Fields was going to be bad? Oh, I'm not going to listen to you because of this old take so I definitely really want to be on the right side of this argument um, so we're going to go a little bit deeper into him today we are officially a week away from the draft so we do have a lot of draft work still to do we still have to do our own mock draft that will be coming up probably we'll probably do that uh, a little bit closer to Thursday next Thursday we still have to kind of rank all of these prospects and all these categories of quarterback wide receiver running back so all of that so that's what we'll probably be probably do tomorrow show kind of rank the order a little bit um, and you know gearing us up for our mock draft gearing us up for draft night so it's going to be a great week folks get it ready and buckle up for a draft week so officially one week out from the draft we'll be continuing on looking at Justin Fields in our second look today so we've got all that today on the show so let's just jump right into the stories of the day in the first one well first couple of stories here uh, new uh, new rule changes in the league they kind of voted on them yesterday we kind of talked about this probably a month ago when uh, when they officially like all came out the proposals by every team and all that so we do have some new rules so the first one Teams approved uh, the competition committee's proposal for expanded booth to official communication. So, you know, more, you know, uh, uh, more, <laughs> more communication, obviously, between the officials in kind of that one centralized location all the way down to the on-field officials. You know, seeing our, what do we see from all these angles? I know you've only got, you know, what you just saw on the field. We've got the, all these angles. We can get these out quickly. Better communication. And uh, they're saying that a popular change that should lead to fewer errors with objective calls that are clear on TV, such as possession, complete, incomplete, etc. So I've got no problem with the, you know, the um, the expanded communication. Let's get these calls right on the field. Let's get them done quickly. Let's move the game along. I just hope that this doesn't kind of just make replays longer. That's kind of the one potential downfall of this. You know, they're just they keep exchanging back and forth information, what they see down on the field, all the angles that they have in the replay center. Uh, in New, I think it's the New York, right? The one centralized location. 
Um, so, you know, greater communication, potentially longer delays, maybe, you know, nitpicking it a little bit too much. So hopefully it doesn't go like that. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it is going to be a lot clearer, a lot, like a lot better calls. No, you know, no more, you know, Des Bryant, did he catch it? Did he not catch it? We all know he didn't catch it, folks. That was not a catch. I, I'm done arguing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll see that how this plays out the first year coming up this season, but uh, I think it's going to definitely uh, help the game a little bit more. Let's get these calls right. Let's kind of, you know, uh, you know, turn over bad calls. If, you know, we just saw something at a bad angle on the field level, let's kind of reverse it with all these different replays, uh, you know, in the centralized location booth that they've got there. So expanded booth to official communication has a pass and you will be seeing that this season. Alrighty, you will also be seeing jersey numbers, potentially single-digit um, uh, jersey numbers for people. So there's no more kind of a range of like what you can do. You can have single-digit jersey numbers, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, um, halfbacks, fullbacks can be 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Defensive backs can be 1 through 49. Um, unfortunately for the offensive and defensive linemen, can't be single digits, unfortunately. Uh, they're still kind of, you know, 50 through 79 and 90 through 99 for the defensive linemen. And then the linebackers, they can also have single-digit numbers, 1 through 59 and then 90 through 99. So we'll see who changes their number this year. But but if you do change your number this season for 2021, you will have to go and buy out the existing inventory of Jersey distributors of this of that of your old number. So if you want to kind of switch it this year, you're gonna have to pay a lot of money. And I think that's really interesting. I think it makes sense. You know, hey, we can't sell these jerseys anymore, and you're on the hook for that. So you have to buy all the existing uh, inventory inventory from the jersey distributors now if you want to change your number for 2022 you can change that for free because you know they haven't made the jerseys that far out in advance so they can kind of you know just make that new number for the 2022 season but if you want to do it right now you got to buy out that existing uh, inventory so we'll see who's going to be changing their numbers this season um Everyone's been talking about it. Everyone, you know, has wanted this to happen, but we'll see which receivers, which kind of, you know, star players go and try and get kind of a single digit number to kind of, you know, separate themselves a little bit. So we'll see who's going to do that. So far, nobody officially has done that. So we'll keep you guys updated. But uh, I don't think anybody really wants to buy out all that jersey inventory. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking? I, I, it's got to be millions of dollars. No, I mean, how many jerseys are already kind of pre-made for the season? Um, especially if you're like a star player, like a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they've got to have so much inventory there but uh if you're like a trash player they've got like five jerseys of you in the back somewhere at a warehouse you can buy those you know 500 bucks clean simple easy um so we'll keep an eye on this, but uh, players, you know, more freedom out there, you know, once again, kind of creating, you know, bigger superstars in this league, single digit numbers. I mean, you know, people have wanted it. They've got it now. We'll see how it affects the game. Probably not, but we'll see what happens this season. Alrighty, and then also this one is probably the best rule. Um, no more preseason overtime. You end in a tie if it ends in a tie in the preseason games. We've just seen them cut back on a preseason game to add a regular season game, and now no more pre or no more overtime in the preseason. Obviously, I don't think anybody was objecting to this. I mean, everybody hates the preseason. Nobody even wants to play the preseason game. Uh, you just kind of have to to kind of see where you're kind of you know you know uh, you know you got 53 players on a roster. Let's see you know. 
know, who we cut and who makes that last, like, roster spot. So that's why really only preseason exists, honestly. Uh, so no overtime in the preseason. Everybody can definitely get behind that, I'm sure. Uh, so those were kind of the three biggest kind of noteworthy rule changes that you'll be seeing this season uh, upcoming. So uh, be prepared for that. Do not get caught off guard. Be like, hang on, why is uh, Derrick Henry number have a number one jersey on? Because he's the gosh darn best running back in the league, folks, and he can choose whatever number he wants. That's why. That's why. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I'm very interested in see if Derrick Henry changes his number, honestly. I want to see what this man's going to rock with. But uh, whatever he does, I support his decision a thousand percent. All righty, let's go on to some stories now. No more rules, no more new rules here in the NFL. So we'll start here. Uh, I'm not liking this Eagles, this new Eagles head coach already, folks. We just talked about him yesterday saying that, um, uh, what was the story yesterday? Darn, I'm blanking on it. Um, let me see if I can go back quickly here. We were just talking about him. What were we talking about him about? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This. Yesterday on the show, Nick Cerati, the new Eagles head coach, saying that he wasn't going to name Jalen Hurts the starting quarterback right now, saying that it's open competition between him and Joe Flacco. That really put a bad taste in our mouth right now. And then just today, another really wonky story here. Nick Cerati, the Eagles head coach, challenged draft prospects to rock, paper, scissors to gain their competitiveness that's what the man's doing he's got scouts he's got all unlimited tape as a head coach you can you know call up whatever kind of college head coach he wants he can do whatever he wants he can watch whatever film call whoever he's got literally unlimited resources as a head coach but this man wants to gauge competitiveness by just playing rock paper scissors jeez louise oh my god this man is not winning me over i don't think i like any of these new kind of head coaching spots i i don't think dan campbell's gonna work i don't think nick Serrani's going to work. I don't think Robert Sala's going to work. I don't know what people are thinking drafting or uh, making these hires of head coaches. Who's making these hires? What are y'all looking at? You want people playing rock, paper, scissors to gauge competitiveness? Oh my goodness. Why don't you see what they did in the bowl game? How about that? We only, we, I honestly only care what you do in the bowl games, in the big games in college because that's the biggest game. That's how I gauge talent. That's how I gauge kind of competitiveness, competitiveness, not rock, paper, scissors on the sideline uh, during like a pro day looking at a prospect. Hey, why don't you come out here and stop kind of talking to me to play some rock, paper, scissors? Because I want to see how competitive you get on rock, paper, scissors on a random 33% odd chance every single time. I mean, what are we taught? What are we doing? What are we doing? Honestly, Nick, uh, how could you be an Eagles fan and think this is a good hire, yo? I'm sorry, Eagles. Jalen Hurts, I'm so sorry. Your career is ruined by this head coach already. I'm super sorry, y'all. I'm sorry, Eagles Nation, Eagles fan, Jalen Hurts. Um, y'all got rid of Doug Peterson to play some rock, paper, scissors on the sideline? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So... We'll see how this works out. We'll see how that plays out. How well does rock, paper, scissors get you drafting? Because maybe he's got the secret formula. Maybe he's got the secret formula. I don't think so, though. But... Nick, Nick Sirianni, man. Uh, that's if I was if I was an Eagles fan, I would have to switch. I would have to switch fandom. Honestly, I would not. I would. I wouldn't be able to stick behind this anymore. <laughs> and the season hasn't even began for this man. Um. So I'm sure we'll hear more garbage stories of this man being a garbage coach. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Alrighty, here we go. A little bit of a weird story here that it's just coming out now. I think there is kind of a lot of slander on Justin Fields. I don't know why. Y'all can take a guess if y'all want. I don't really care. Um, but uh, yeah, here we go. Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. He is. Uh, he has kind of told people that he's managing epilepsy. Alrighty, so that's kind of the big headline here on this article. Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields has confirmed to NFL teams he's managing epilepsy, making it kind of sound like this big deal, right? And then you go into the article, and the first sentence on the article is epilepsy. The first one, the first three words in this article are epilepsy didn't slow down former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields during his college career, and he has no intention of letting it do so in the NFL. So what are we doing here? What's the article? What's the big slam on that then that he has epilepsy okay I'm sure there's a ton of players in the league that have medical conditions that y'all have no no idea about uh, because they manage it they know how to manage it they've been managing it their entire lives it's not like Justin Fields just got hit with narcolepsy er, um, epilepsy sorry um, epilepsy here so, I don't know what is going on here. He's fine. He's treating it. He's been treating it with medication. Um, and it's funny because, you know, they also kind of bring up um – where is it in this article? Because it was real funny reading it. Uh, so we know that uh, Justin Fields, he is managing his epilepsy with medication. So he's all fine. It doesn't really affect him. Um, so where is it in this article? Um, where was it? Where was it? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right here, right here, right here. This is where it says. All right, here we go. Fields wouldn't be the first NFL player to excel with epilepsy. Pro Football Hall of Fame guard Alan uh, Fenica took medication to control seizures throughout his career in 2000s. All right, so, you know, he was good. The, the Hall of Famer who took medication and had his epilepsy under control, it wasn't even an issue for him. And then they say in 2007, Baltimore Ravens standout safety Samari Roll had three major seizures, keeping him out of six games before doctors corrected his medication and he returned to the team. So what do we, y'all just told us if you had the medication, Medication, like other players in the league did before Justin Fields that they go on and have Hall of Fame careers and never miss a game but then you kind of compare it to a guy that didn't have his medication correct and that's why he missed games but Justin Fields has already told us the medication is correct it's been working he's never missed a game at Ohio State because of his epilepsy so this whole kind of story out here I think it's real garbage to push out here especially a week before the draft what are y'all doing to this man what are you doing to this kid man he's already having trouble he's already having issues in the mainstream media of not being a good quarterback and now you're just piling it on by throwing out this useless garbage epilepsy story that literally contradict literally in the article the first three sentences the first three words like we said are epilepsy didn't slow Let's go first four words because it makes it a little sound a little bit better here. But epilepsy didn't slow down. That's it, man. That's it. So why write this entire article saying that he's got the medication to do so? He's been taking the medication ever ever since he was a kid. Didn't bother him in college. You compared him to an NFL Hall of Famer that had epilepsy and took medication and didn't, never missed a game. But then you just throw out a wild player out in the NFL who wasn't a Hall of Famer who had to sit out for six games because he didn't have his medication right. So... They're trying to fabricate a non-story here. This is a non-story. Who cares, folks? Who truly cares? It doesn't matter. He has it under control. So what are you trying to slam this kid for? Ugh, man, if you can't play, that's one thing. But don't get this man not drafted because you're trying to push an epilepsy story that literally has that it, it, it has zero, zero, zero impact on anything because he has it under control. Y'all have told us that. We have seen it. 
Uh, so don't get fooled by this epilepsy story, folks. This is not a cause for concern. It is fine. He is fine. He's been fine. It's not a problem. <clears throat> It's something that you probably should tell people or like not people. You should just go around and be like, hey, I have epilepsy unless you want to. I don't care. But, you know, a, you know, your future employer, this is you're going to be a face of a franchise. They're going to pay you 20 million dollars off the rip of drift drafting you. So, yeah, you know, you do have to disclose it. And it's not a secret. It's not like he's hiding it. He's been managing it with medication. He's good, folks. Relax. So this epilepsy story, it's a nothing burger, folks. Relax on it. Alrighty, this is a little interesting story. Let's move on to this one. So uh, Antonio Brown going probably a little bit of a different route than Deshaun, than Deshaun Watson is going on. But uh, Antonio Brown settles his sexual assault lawsuit with his former trainer. This was kind of a story, you know, when the whole thing was breaking out on Antonio Brown. Him kind of going a little crazy, a little crazy in the grand scheme of things. So let's read this article right here and let's see what was going on. Uh, once again, maybe Deshaun Watson take a little notes of this, settling these civil lawsuits. Let's get out of the public eye. Let's try to get back to normal. If you're truly innocent and you want to fight it, I've got no problem with that either. But uh, Antonio Brown settles his sexual assault lawsuit with the former trainer. So here we go. Antonio Brown has resolved a civil dispute. Once again, kind of like Deshaun Watson, civil dispute, not legal or not. Well, it is legal, but not, you know, not punishable by jail time. Um, so Antonio Brown has resolved a civil dispute with his former training with his former trainer, Brittany Taylor, who had accused Brown in a lawsuit filed in September, 2019 of sexually assaulting her on three occasions. Gosh, darn, you can get, you can do it three times and still able to settle out. Wow. That's pretty good. Uh, the two sides have reached a settlement. Antonio and Brittany have been friends for over a decade. Several years ago, they almost became business partners. Recently, they were involved in aggressive litigation. Having reflected on the relationship, both feel that the time has come to move on, Brown's representative said. Um, Antonio is grateful for Brittany's excellent training assistance. Thank you so much, Brittany, uh, for getting me off on those tra training uh, uh, sessions. Uh, they are pleased that Antonio is doing so well with the Bucks and has a ring. Their dispute, oh, I'm sure she's so glad that this man just won a ring because that means he can pony up the dough. I know you got Super Bowl money now. Don't try to hold out on me. I'm cashing out now. Of course, the the uh, the one that is suing Antonio Brown was grateful that he got a ring. Of course. Uh, their dispute is resolved and they wish each other great continued success so uh, it's just so weird i mean this man she accuses him of of rape settles a civil lawsuit and now you know are wishing the best for each other that's real wonky man um taylor had alleged in the civil lawsuit that brown sexually assaulted her on two training trips in june 2017 and then raped her in miami in 2018 you can rape people out here and they forgive you how crazy money will do that man money changes money rules everything truly folks we are seeing it here you can rape somebody and get away with it with the money if you win a ring if you win a super bowl and got super bowl money let's settle this dispute out of court baby give me the cash <clears throat> All right, Taylor met Taylor met with the league in September 2019 to discuss her allegations against Brown. The the NFL is still investigating Brown, who is subject to punishment under the league's personal conduct. Damn! So the man settled out of court and is still could get potentially punished by the league. Um, alrighty, the wide receiver was suspended. All right, we got really all this. Um, he's currently a free agent. 
and uh, asked Wednesday about the possibility of re-signing Brown Bucks general manager uh, Jason Lynch said the resolution of the receiver's civil dispute, quote, helps, but that's not necessarily the, the deciding factor of whether or not we're going to continue to talk. Interesting there. So it wasn't this kind of litigation that was holding them back, not signing them. Uh, we've had discussions throughout the offseason, Lich said. And as you can tell, we've put an emphasis on bringing back players that they truly have. They brought back truly everybody already. Our players from last year that contributed to our success, he would be no different. We'll continue to have talks and see how it goes. So uh, now that, you know, he kind of has this little bit of a monkey off of his back for Antonio Brown, this assault, uh, sexual assault lawsuit has uh, officially been settled outside of court. So we'll see if in the coming days, you know, he gets re-signed by the Bucks. I don't know if he'll go anywhere else. I don't really know if he kind of wants to be. I think he does want to be back with the Bucks. Um, you know, another chance at a ring, but then that's kind of, you know, Antonio Brown seems to want rings and money. So we'll see what happens with this. But uh, the big news is that Antonio Brown raped a person or allegedly raped somebody and then uh, got free out of court. So Deshaun Watson, there is still hope for you out there. Truly, you can pay off these women. Alrighty, alright, let's keep moving on here, and folks, 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 if there was any kind of, you know, second guesses on Tua, if the Dolphins were going to draft a quarterback, here it is, putting, putting it to rest here, so Greer, the general manager for the Dolphins on Tua, quote, he's healthy now, he's going to take the next step, the kid has been a winner everywhere he's been, I'm really excited for him, so I mean, we can put this to rest, the Dolphins are sticking with Tua, we've known this, we've been known this, we've been saying this, we love his accuracy, the the man will work in this league. Y'all are like criticizing a rookie that got thrown in midway through the season and then got benched a couple of games because the wide receivers are absolutely not very good on this Dolphins team. So let's all relax a little bit. Tua is the guy. Let's go get him some help in this draft, shall we? Uh, where's the story? Do I got it up? Where is it? Uh, let's go to this one. Should have put this one right next, but yeah, so here we go. I mean, we have to reiterate this because we are getting closer to the draft. Like we said, a week out from the draft now. So Brian Flores, another alert here, another message from takes by fans, a Dolphins fan over here. Let's just kind of get somebody at number six, please. We already were a little too cute trading back from three to six. Now, I mean, the Bengals really are the only one that can mess us up because I know the Bengals are drafting a weapon, wide receiver or running back at number six. I would probably say a running back or a wide receiver over a running back but he could they could get Devontae Smith and kind of screw us over a little bit because we wanted to get a little too cute and trade back so Let's stop trading back, get Devontae Smith at number six, because let's kind of remember what happened 10 years ago when somebody wanted to trade back and get all these picks. It didn't really work out for them. So it's been nearly 10 years since the Falcons traded up for Julio Jones. Yes, the Falcons traded up to the number six pick for Julio Jones. Sound familiar? So here we go. Uh, Julio Jones went to the Falcons. So the Browns traded uh, their number six spot to the Falcons. Falcons draft Julio Jones, first round, number six in the 2011 draft. And this is what the Browns got for trading back in the draft. They got the 2011 first round pick from... Um, 
from uh, Atlanta. They had the 2011 second round pick, the 2011 fourth round pick, the 2012 first round pick, and a 2012 fourth round pick. That's what they've got for Julio Jones. And what did they kind of get in those picks? They got defensive tackle Phil Taylor, wide receiver Greg Little, fullback Owen Merrick, and quarterback Brandon Whedon. Any of those players good? Any of those players still playing in this league? Any of those players play more than like one season starting wise? So it's not all just hunky-dory. Yeah, we got draft picks. Draft picks are trash, folks. Go get proven top 10 talent pick. That's the only thing that really pans out real great in this league. Top 10 pick. And even then, you know, you still get some bus in those top 10 picks so go and get a wide receiver for Tua stop all the trading back for picks they don't always pan out going we can win now we can win now we have the team to win now we just proved it last season we can win now go and get a wide receiver a weapon for Tua and it better be Devontae Smith I'm not playing around no more Brian Flores I'm a little nervous now a week out I was all carefree during the kind of off season, you know, oh, we have a month before the draft, you know, I've got all this time and now we're getting closer. We've already made a trade back. We, we've kind of, you know, been hearing tra uh, rumors of us kind of trading back again on draft day. So Brian Flores, settle down. You're a master at facilitating the trade. We get it. You don't need to prove it anymore. You swindled the Texans, and I'm pretty sure we swindled the 49ers. Time will tell on that in another kind of year or two. But uh, just win now. You've already won. No more winning. We don't need to win another trade now. Go and get to the talent at number six. Please do not trade back. We will have a new set come April 30th um, after that first round has settled. And if we don't, if we don't get Devontae Smith, I'm tearing down the set. And I will replace everything with Bucks merchandise because I told y'all we are Bucks fans now. So we could still root for the Dolphins next year if we take Devontae Smith at number six. But if we do not, if we take Jamar Chase, if we choose, if we trade back, so help me God if we trade back. If we get a if we get the lineman uh Panay Swell, I will also be upset. But I swear to God, if we trade back, it will be over for me and the Dolphins. Do you understand? I've got Dolphin shoes, folks. I love the Dolphins. You can see the set behind me. I will be done with the Dolphins <clears throat> if we do not take somebody at number six. Alrighty, <clears throat> another NFL player not good in this league, man. <laughs> not very good here. So Alden Smith, he had to turn himself into police after being charged with battery for allegedly choking a man unconscious. So truly unfortunate. He just kind of, you know, he was suspended for like four years. Uh, he got back into the league last year with the Cowboys. Then the Seahawks just signed him this season. So definitely uh, not very good for this man. Let's see what we get on this article here. So Seattle Seahawks defensive and Alden Smith is in legal trouble again after turning himself in Tuesday night after a warrant was issued for his arrest in connection with an alleged battery in the New Orleans area. All right, Smith turned himself in. And he has been booked and released Wednesday on $25,000 bond. That's pretty cheap. Able to get out of jail for that. Pretty good. Um, so... An arrest warrant was issued for Smith on Monday for an alleged second-degree battery that occurred Saturday evening. 
Alrighty, they said uh, ESPN that uh, Smith allegedly choked a victim unconscious during a confrontation that began inside a chafe shop in uh, Louisiana. Maybe he's getting kind of, you know, slandered a little bit. Maybe he was kind of, uh, you know, Aaron Donald out there, you know, being the savior. Yeah, you know, maybe he was choking this guy, but maybe they got the wrong guy. Maybe, you know, he came in to push the choker off of him like we saw uh, Aaron Donald do. Uh, The alleged incident rises to a second-degree battery charge because the victim was rendered unconscious. Yeah, you can't be knocking people out, man. That's that's scary. Um, He said the victim was taken to a hospital but did not stay overnight. The two days before the alleged incident, uh, damn, two days before the alleged incident, the Seahawks signed Alden Smith to a one-year deal. So that man got a little bit too happy, went to go celebrate, and started choking people out. He was so excited to be back in the league with the Seahawks. So, We'll see how this plays out for this man. Definitely not great, you know, definitely given his history, being suspended for, you know, not very good acts that he has done in the past. They say exactly, I forget what he's uh, done in the past. Um... Yeah, don't get his full kind of rap sheet, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on this man. Last year, Alden Smith for the Cowboys, you know, after being, you know, suspended for four straight seasons before, you know, re-going to the Dallas Cowboys and kind of trying to get his career back on track. Last season in 2020, after missing four years, he had uh, two pass defenses, two fumble recoveries. That's pretty good. Five sacks, 14 quarterbacks hit. So, you know, solid production out there. Obviously not one of the best defensive ends in the league or kind of nowhere close to that, but still solid production out there. You know, 6'5", 255, defensive end, great size. We know he's a monster, you know, for what he's done, you know, so he's also a monster on the field. you got to give it up for him. But, um yeah, so we'll see how Seattle handles this. Do they cut him? They just signed him to a one-year deal. Maybe he's just too much trouble than what he's worth. Obviously, he has never hasn't learned from his past experiences either. So um, let's get that up. Can we get that up quickly? Because I am blanking on everything that he has done. Um, um, what do we get? What do we get? Timetable of trouble. <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross of saying that. But uh, let's see what this man's got going on. Alrighty, here we go. 2012, he was arrested on suspicion of DUI. 2012 again, he was uh, he got stabbed twice. That was that was in that was like it's six months later. So January 2020, he was um, arrested on suspicion of DUI. June 30th, 2012, he was reportedly stabbed twice while trying to break up a fight at a uh, during a party at his home. So you know the Aaron Donald treatment. You know being the hero, trying to break up the fight, getting stabbed. September 30 or September 20th, 2013, Smith was involved in a single car accident and arrested on suspicion of DUI. Not good. October 9th, 2013, he was, um, what do we got? There, there was files... There was files against Smith, three felony charges on possession of an assault weapon. Um, so that's really not good. October 29, 2013, uh, Smith surrendered to authorities facing those felony weapon charges. Then he went to the 49ers. He got activated on 2013 with the 49ers. 2013, he pleaded not guilty to those three felony counts of an illegal possession of assault weapon. So DUI, assault weapons. Smith is arrested in 2014 for an investigation of making a false bomb threat. Jeez, of an airport? Then the 49ers suspended him basically after that. They were like, all right, that's enough. Now we're talking bombs. All right, we can, we can maybe forgive the weapons, maybe forgive the DUI, but we're talking bombs out here. 
Um, then he pleads no contest to those three felony weapon charges. What else do we get here? <clears throat> Smith is arrested in 2015 for an alcohol-related driving case. So, once again, very not good there. He cannot stop drinking and driving. 2015, uh, Santa Clara County District files three misdemeanor charges. DUI, hit and run, and property damage and vandalism. Jeez. Jeez. 2016, a Periscope video shows a man and woman smoking during a fire-up session, and evidence suggests that the man in the video might be Alden Smith. Alrighty, then he denies it. Then he checks into an undisclosed treatment center, so it was probably him in that video. And then he got out of, out of rehab a couple of months later. All right, then in 2017, Smith was under investigation for an impossible domestic uh, domestic incident. So once again, it's just a long rap sheet of this man in the league and now choking people unconscious. Not very good for Alden Smith out here. So we'll see if Seattle kind of voids the contract with this man or not. Uh, so we'll keep, an, we'll keep an eye on that man. Jeez. All righty, we're going to go over this story quickly just because it's so ridiculous. Brett Favre back in the news. We talked about him, I think, last week on the show because he didn't want to mix, you know, sports with politics and all of that. But now he is here mixing sports with politics because Brett Favre is a hypocrite and just an old boomer out here for some reason. So Brett Favre believes Derek Chauvin didn't mean to kill George Floyd. He went too far. Uh, of course, he probably didn't mean to kill him. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But you still killed somebody at the end of the day does it matter what the intent is it really you took a life unfortunately um so Brett Favre out here being the hypocrite that he is you know taking you know bringing politics into sports when I hear Brett Favre all I care about is his sports opinions why does he come out in the media on TMZ having all these quotes all the time Brett Favre you are sports you are forever a sport legend um a football legend out here so why are you bringing politics into the mix we I do not care what your opinion is on on anything political you are a pure sports figure no Brett Favre weren't you making all those kind of same arguments no 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 come on man so he makes these unwarranted, unwanted comments. Nobody cares what this man has to say, honestly. Um, so I don't, uh, do we get quotes? I don't even want to read these quotes, honestly. Um, so let's see what he says here. The NFL legend spoke about Floyd's death on his bowl, his bowl. What is that? Bowling? Bowling? B-O-L-L-I-N-G? Bowling with Favre? What does that even mean? I don't even know what bowling is. It's not bowling, the activity. Balling, bowling, English, a nickname for someone with closed crop hair, <laughs> a, a closed cropped hair or a large head. <laughs> what the heck? I've never heard this before. Bowling, B-O-L-L-I-N-G, bowling, bowling. That's his podcast name. Bowling with Favre. Okay. I would have chose a different name. Um, <laughs> condemning Chauvin's handling of the situation, but explaining why he feels it's quote hard to believe he intended to kill the 46 year old man. So these are quotes by Brett Favre here on his podcast. So go check that out. If you want, if you want more political, you know, sports go right to Brett Favre. He's the source. He hates it, but he talks about it a lot. No. Uh, so quote here by Brett Favre quote, I find it harder to believe. 
And I'm not defending Derek Chauvin in any way. I'm just saying it's hard to believe and I defend him. <laughs> so quote here, I find it hard to believe and I'm not defending Derek Chauvin in any way. I find it hard to believe, first of all, that he intentionally meant to kill George Floyd. Um, quote, that being said, his actions were uncalled for. I don't care what color the person is on the street. I don't care what color the person is on the street. That's a funny way to phrase that. Uh, you do not. I don't know what led to that video What we that we saw here. His knee on his neck. But the man had thrown in the towel. Jesus Christ. The man had thrown in the towel. Um, it's just uncalled for. Favre also addressed the backlash he faced last week after his comments about wanting to keep politics out of sports. All right, let's see what he says here. Saying is he stands by what he said, quote, I just gave my opinion. I'm certainly not a racist, despite what people might think. I'm for unity. I just feel like there's a better way to unify our country. It's just he's going, he's being just a hypocrite. I mean, folks, that's all it is to it. And it's just these unwarranted, unwanted comments. Yeah, have your own thought. But I mean, uh, he, he says, uh, you know, I'm not defending Derek Chauvin. I just find it hard to believe that he didn't mean to kill him. But then you go to defend Derek Chauvin and then you go to talk about political, uh, uh, you know, political topics when you're a sports figure. So. Um, yeah, that's what we've got on Brett Favre. He's just out here chirping out, chirping, chirping, chirping. That's what Brett Favre's doing out here, just chirping out. So, I don't even know what to say about this man anymore, truly. Um, just keep it to yourself, I guess. I mean, once again, he's breaking his own rule, talk, bringing politics in the world of sports. All right, let's keep moving on here. What do we got next? All right, here we go. Urban Meyer. He's uh, putting a lot of pressure on himself here, honestly. Not not intentionally, I don't think, but, uh, you know, first year as a head coach. You know, he was a college, he was a great college head coach. I don't think anybody's doubting that, but never really won the big game that consistently. You know, I think he's only got one of those college championship uh, trophies and, uh, you know, not really consistently getting there into the top four for that kind of play, uh, for that uh, college football playoff tournament. But uh, Urban Meyer thinks he's got the plan to figure it out here in the draft. His first draft, his first kind of, you know, real uh, test as a good head coach out here in this league. Can you draft well? It's not the end-all be-all for a coach. We know Bill Belichick doesn't draft the best offensive pieces, but, you know, he won a couple of rings over a 20-year period, so got to give him the credit. But Urban Meyer here, Jaguars must trust draft board, avoid chasing players to fill the need. So that's this is his strategy going into his first draft here quote I find myself always looking at the need and that's where you have to be cautious you start chasing players quote the whole idea of value is completely new to me that's something I relied on um, you know, his defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, um, um, who has extensive experience in the NFL and obviously Trent and his staff talking about the coordinators that he has there for that Jaguars team that he is the new head coach of. I'm a quick learner. I've been working at this now for about three months and the last three to four weeks, this has been our entire life in that room watching videos, stacking the board. So trusting the board is key. I'm at the point almost, uh, I'm at the I'm at the point almost there that I will trust it, but as a head coach, 
I can see where we need this, we need this, we need this, and that's where you get yourself in trouble. It's been a great learning experience for me, and to answer your question, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about everything. I think you know that. So, uh, you know, uh, coming in here, you know, having that great kind of college resume that he has, you know, being this kind of big name hire, a lot of pressure on him kind of having success year one. I mean, uh, Matt Rule just came in from Oregon and, you know, had a pretty decently successful season this, you know, year one, won a couple of games, looked, you know, was competitive in all those games. I mean, they only got blown out twice and that was by the Bucks. That was it. Every other game was a win or kind of a one possession loss, which isn't too bad your first year, especially kind of missing your face of the franchise, having Teddy Bridgewater be the quarterback who hasn't been a starting quarterback in this league in a very long time. So, you know, given all those circumstances, Matt Rule had, you know, decent success. I don't like the direction that he is bringing the Panthers team in, bringing Sam Darnold. I don't love that decision, but we'll see if it plays out year two. But, uh, yeah, Urban Meyer, a lot of pressure on him here. First draft here. Uh, you know, he's going to trust his gut. And he, you know, has a little bit of a break here because they've got the number one overall pick. And, you know, you don't. that's not even a decision. It's Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you don't have to make a tough decision for that first round pick. So, you know, a little bit easier, you know, sad, you know kind of easing him into kind of this draft role so you know round two when you know it's still let you know there there's still you know pressure round two because <clears throat> you can still find real great players you know second round obviously but uh you know getting that first round pick you know it's a guaranteed you know quarterback it's always going to be Trevor Lawrence we know this so you know easing them into this kind of draft process a little bit so we'll see how he turns around here this draft we'll see how he coaches out his first season but yeah yeah Urban Meyer a lot of pressure on this man stepping up from college um, Nick Saban stepped up from college for the Dolphins, and that didn't work out. So Urban Meyer, you know, coming out of retirement, trying to get it done in the league, a lot of pressure on this man. So we'll see how he deals with it. Seems like he's trying to deal with it the best that he can, you know, giving getting a lot of input from the coordinators on his team that he trusts that have been doing this for a while. So Urban Meyer trusting the board. Trusting the board is the plan here in his first draft. We'll see if it plays out. All right, Cordell Patterson, we just saw him get signed to the Falcons a couple of days ago, maybe last week. But uh, Cordell Patterson hopes for, quote, a better season at running back with the Falcons. Last year didn't go as planned. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know why this man wants to be a running back anyway. I'm kind of over it. You're 6'2". Go get your ass in that wide receiver position. You understand me? He is a wide receiver, but he's never made it work. I mean, how are you a 6'2 wide receiver out here and don't even have his best receiving season was year one with 469 yards. I mean, it doesn't get it done. He's a great kick returner. He's an all right rusher, but at 6'2", I just really don't see it. It never really got going. It's not like he's ever rushed for any great yardage. It's not like he's ever been kind of a solid, just kind of pure running back on any of these teams that he's played with so I don't really love that he still wants to be running back in this league he was with Chicago for the last two seasons they couldn't really make it work um, at the running back position he only played four games or he only started four games in 2019 started three games last year so he's not an A1 tier one wide receiver obviously he doesn't even want to be a wide receiver and he's definitely not an A1 tier one running back so I don't really know what is going on with him the Falcons probably won't use him as a wide receiver receiver just because they have them already they don't really have a running back so maybe but I really don't see a 6-2 running back uh, getting it done in this league I mean the most he's ever rushed for in a season was last season 232 yards he rushed it 64 times I mean 3.6 yards a carry I mean yeah that's good that's about average but 
I can't see him getting it done. He's been in this league for, what, seven years already, never made it work as a wide receiver, and never made it work as a running back. So we'll see how it pans out for him here in Atlanta. Going to be just a gadget guy. That's where that's all he does wherever he goes. Kick returning is a big part of his game, basically the only part of his game, the only reliable part of his game anyway. Uh, anyway so I don't know, man. I would just say suck it up. You're 6'2". Go out there and catch some freaking deep balls. That's really it. And uh, he doesn't want to do that. So we'll see what happens with Cordell Patterson this year with the Falcons. But uh, I do not want my running backs to be 6'2", unfortunately. Alrighty, Drew Brees. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are making a lot of excuses now that Tom Brady just ran through them all easy peasy, new team first year, won a ring, and then just kind of ended all the GOAT debates because there's nothing more to debate. He won all the head-to-head matchups. He's got seven Super Bowls. He changed teams first year. He won. I mean, you have to get... I, I don't think there is any more debate of greatest quarterback of all time at the current moment. I have to say it's Brady. Um, but uh, a lot of people are starting to make some excuses out here. Drew Brees quote I only felt good in one game during the 2020 season okay alrighty but you still were out there playing so there's there's really no excuses and I'm sure he's not using this quote as an excuse we can see what else he says here in this article um, but I mean, you know, the Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, winning, you know, I feel like I've been successful in this league. You can't take that away from me. I feel like I've played the best I can, but then you just lost to Tom Brady. So you're kind of, you know, cheapening, you know, Tom Brady's win over you a little bit by saying all this. He goes and hosts Jeopardy saying that he wants to be the permanent host and this and that, um, you know, all these other quarterbacks, uh, you know, that were potentially greatest of all times. Aaron Rodgers coming into last season, we could have given, you know, there were debates for that. Drew Brees, there were definite debates for that as well having multiple 5,000 yards all the records all that but then you just go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and you flounder and throw multiple interceptions and lose the game and you know he wins the Super Bowl finally I mean he comes to the NFC one year already has the same amount of rings that Drew Brees has in the NFC already has the same amount of rings that Aaron Rodgers has in the NFC so all these other great quarterbacks all these other great quarterbacks I feel are kind of you know cheapening Tom Brady's legacy by putting out all these quotes of, oh, I wasn't good this year, or, you know, I played my best and it just didn't work, but I'm still really great and I'm still proud of myself. You can't take that away from me. We see Patrick Mahomes on Twitter, you know, we'll see in 20 years. You just lost head-to-head. It's over. It's open and done. He's out of his prime and he's still beating y'all. What is up with that? So let's see what Drew Brees says here in this quote. Anything good here? Is he really kind of making an excuse for it? Let's see. So, Quote here by Drew Brees, I only really felt good in one game from the perspective of I had all my tools in my toolbox. Um, I had a lot of limitations throughout the season as to what I could and couldn't do, and I recognized that, and that's really hard for a competitor. That's really hard when you know what you should be able to do, and yet you can't because of various injuries or things that are taking place with your body. Quote, some of those things are just kind of freak things. Tear a pl- uh, plantar fascia. You get damage in your shoulder. You get a broken ribs. You get punctured lung. You get all of this stuff that's going on. This abdominal thing that I was dealing with for for pretty much most of the season that as a quarterback, everything you do is rotation. And you can't rotate the way you want. You all of a sudden begin to accommodate in ways and everything for you kind of narrows because it's like, well, I I can't make that throw. I can't make that throw. I can't make that throw. So what's now in my toolbox? 
And it's harder to play the game that way. And yet you've got to find a way to still get it done. And I felt like we did that, but it was difficult. You felt like you did that. You got it done. You threw three interceptions against Tom Brady and lost against him. That's not getting it done. See what we're saying here? All this kind of wording here, it truly matters, man. Um, you know, we have to take, you know, these players' words as, you know, kind of the gospel. We can't assume everybody's lying all this time. So, you know, maybe he's, you know, maybe, you know, talking up his injuries a little bit just to protect its own legs. Legacy. And if you don't think players protect their own legacy, I think you're sadly mistaken, folks, truly. If you're hailed as potentially one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, do you think you're ever going to say or do or, you know, yeah, just say or do anything that hinders that argument no you're gonna do anything in your power to protect oh my goodness they think that i'm one of the greatest of all time I, I i gotta keep this going i want to be regarded as one of the greatest of all times and they can say whatever they want publicly i do not care i truly do not care what you say publicly um because you know, well, when we know you know when we know uh uh you don't a thousand percent feel that way that you kind of act in public or what you say in public just to clarify that up a little bit, but I mean, all these wording, and then Tom Brady's just out here, you know, you know, taking small jabs and be like, yeah, y'all can say whatever you want, but I'm winning rings out here. I'm not getting injured. That's still part of being the greatest of all time, going through an entire season at an older age, taking care of your body, avoiding all the hits. I don't care if your line is good or not. It's up to you not to get hit still, and it's still up to you to get it done if you don't have the greatest receivers or any of this. It's still up to you. Lack of playmakers should not be a reason why uh, you do not succeed in this league, honestly. I, mean, I'm, I do not like that argument either so well uh I do not like all these kind of quotes, all these other great quarterbacks coming out and saying, you know, oh, this season was still good for me, even though we didn't win. You know, I was banged up this season. That's kind of why we didn't really win. And we still did good in my injuries. And I'm still proud of us. And, you know, uh, this and this and that. But at the end of the day, you didn't win. You just lost against uh, uh, um, a candidate that you're up against on greatest of all time at the quarterback position. So we see Aaron Rodgers. I didn't like what we saw. We talked about that, you know, him saying, you know, well, Whatever happens, you know, I already feel like I've won in this league and all that. And, you know, I feel at peace, you know, inside. Like, it's just lame to say that publicly, I think. And I truly do not believe these competitors, these competitors, if they truly are the big, bad, you know, fearsome, you know, I will do whatever it takes competitors that they say they are. They are not truly believing what they're saying out here either. So. I don't like it, man. Tom Brady's the go, and uh, he beat everybody. He beat everybody head to head, so you got to give it to him. And it, out of his prime, he did that. So these other quarterbacks can say whatever they want, man. But uh, until y'all have seven rings, I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't want to hear anything about it. Alrighty, last couple of stories here. Here we go. Well, we know the draft is a week away, and now we've, you know, we see what the venue is like, and we see what's going into this venue here in Cleveland live for the draft. So here we go. Um, so some of the details on kind of the hangar that they're having this kind of uh, the draft in. So. The structure is going to be lit by 220 feet, by 220 feet, by 70 feet tall, 280 million pixels of LED in the theater and on site, three miles plus of cabling to power lighting fixture. So this thing is going to be absolutely magnificent. So this is what, this is the area. This is kind of where the draft is going to be held right on, you know, this, I think it's like a little bit of a harbor here in Cleveland. Got a nice little kind of hangar.
Singer uh, to present it. And when we compare what kind of the Mac, the mock-up drafts of kind of what this thing is supposed to look like, we did cover this as well uh, a couple of months ago. When did this come out? Uh, March 22nd, we uh, talked about this on the show. But, uh, I mean, this is the mock-up for the stage. You know, look at all these lights. Look at how big and bright this thing's going to be. Look at how far you can kind of see this venue from the city. So, yeah, I mean, this really shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, these two, 28 million pixels of LED. I mean, the, mock jo- the mock-up, they were going extravagant. They were going extravagant. And, you know, having 280 million pixels, I would say that's pretty gosh darn extravagant. Three miles of cabling just to get everything good to go. All the lighting fixtures is good to go so they weren't really lying on this mock-up I mean it it was looking ambitious and so far it seems to be ambitious so we'll see how it's looking come you know actual draft night but according to all the the mock-ups that we've looked at uh you know looking looking at you know the details that just came out about you know how much is actually going into this so it's gonna it's gonna be a spectacle, folks, and I'm truly uh, I'm truly about it. After definitely last season, you know, getting drafted and freaking um, um, who's the freaking commissioner, um, Roger Goodell's basement, you know, him doing that, looking real kind of cryptic under there. So uh, definitely, you know, live in person draft here in Cleveland. Everybody, you know, some people are coming. I love it, and uh, it's gonna look good. Hopefully, it's gonna look good. It should look good. After everything that we've seen, if it doesn't look good, it's on them for not doing it good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is what the stage is going to start looking like. And uh, cannot wait for freaking April 29th, folks. Get freaking ready. All right, and then the last story to go over really quickly. Anthony Davis. He's going to finally be playing today against the Mavericks, so he's missed the last two months with a calf injury. Lakers kind of, you know, a little lackluster during that period of no AD, no LeBron James, but they get AD back. Let's see if he can kind of start carrying them to some more wins here, see if they can kind of elevate their kind of playoff positioning from the fifth seed right now, currently two and a half games back from that fourth seed. So we'll see if they can make a run here to try and better their seeding, uh, get kind of at least one home court advantage game here throughout the playoffs. Uh, trying to get into the top four, so we'll see what Anthony Davis can do tonight. But uh, we'll see if he's uh, if he's 100% healthy, if he plays all the minutes, if he's on minutes restrictions, anything like that. So we'll keep an eye on all that on Anthony Davis's return tonight. Alrighty, that is all the stories we needed to cover for today. Let's head over to the NBA. We'll go over this very, very quickly because I do want to look at uh, Justin Fields today. A lot of games on last night, so we'll power through them quickly. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action. We went 2-1 two and uh, two and one last night. Unfortunately, the uh, the Warriors minus 2 bit us in the butt a little bit. But uh, Suns minus 1, Heat plus 1, all cashing out for us. So, um, <clears throat> Alrighty, so we'll jump right into this. Then we'll head over to uh, Justin Fields seeing and rewatching that man a little bit. All right, so here we go. Let's start here with Bulls and the Cavs, and the Bulls lose. Not the greatest. We told y'all to stay away from this game just because we weren't really sure how this one was going to kind of play out if the Bulls were kind of real deal without Zach Levine or not, and it turns out that they are not the real deal without Zach Levine. So they lose to the Cavs. Darius Garland, 25 points. Colin Sexton, 30 points. Jared Allen, 8 points, 9 rebounds. Kevin Love, I love what this Kevin Love is doing here for this Cavs team. He's really making it work at the 4. 15 points, 9 rebounds. So... 
all very good there. Larry Nance Jr. coming off the bench, 10 points, 4 rebounds. And then Isaiah Hartenstein for the Cavs there, 10 points off the bench as well. So kind of a great night all around here. The main players get it done. The main guards get it done. Jared Allen getting it done on the boards. Kevin Love at the 4. And then Larry Nance Jr. coming off the bench. So I really do think this Cavs team has truly found what their rotations are, what they're actually good at, what their players can do. So... Unfortunately, they are still a little ways away from that 10th seed. They've got uh, four games out from that 10th seed. Definitely going to be hard to kind of overtake You know, the Wizards currently at number 10. Look at that. Warriors at number 10. Then the Bulls actually fall back down out of the top 10 to number 12 on this loss. So truly unfortunate by this Bulls team. Very well done by the Cavs getting it done. For the Bulls, Vucevic, 9 points, 2 assists, 5 rebounds in only 25 minutes. That's not going to get it done at all. So very, very lackluster by him. Kobe White, only 14 points. He shot 50% decent, but we need somebody else to score points here. And, you know, the leading scorer being Larry McCannon. 16 points off the bench in 21 minutes. That's not going to get it done. So, truly unfortunate about Vucevic. Kobe White couldn't get it done. Thaddeus Young still coming off the bench. 14 points, one, uh, one steal, two blocks, three assists, eight rebounds on 62% shooting, a minus three in a 16-point uh, loss here. So, once again, another good night by Thaddeus Young. Just unfortunate. I think he's going to run into a little bit of trouble here in the sixth man of the year of just not getting the wins. Unfortunate. If they don't make a playing tournament, I can't – if I can't even get you. I can't even talk about you as six man of the year if you're not being in at least a playing tournament. So that is young man. Truly unfortunate here. We'll love to see that man win six man, but they're not winning the game. So very well done for the Cavs getting the win last night. 121-105 over the Bulls. All right, let's keep moving on here to the Pacers and the Thunder. And the Pacers get the win. Congrats. I mean, the Thunder, once again, no Dort, no Muscala, no Shea Gills Alexander. So congrats that the Pacers win a game. This is a game that they should win. Um, they didn't have Miles Turner. Obviously, he's out. And Sabonis also didn't play. So Karis LeVert really kind of stepped it up. Him and Malcolm Brogdon really got it done. So very well done to them. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 29 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, what a great night by that man. Karis LeVert, 28 points, 4 steals, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. He shot 1 of 7 from 3. So still not getting it done from 3. But we'll take those 28 points. O'Shea Brissett. At the five, filling in for Miles Turner, who and also Sabonis, who played the you know the five in absence of uh, Miles Turner. So O'Shea Brissett, 23 points, 12 rebounds, pretty gosh darn good out there. So very well done. Maybe they don't need Sabonis at the five. Get O'Shea Brissett out there. Um, Justin Holiday at the four, six points, three assists, three rebounds. Edmund Sumner, ten points. TJ McConnell, 12 points off the bench, can kind of rely on him a little bit as well. So very well done for the Pacers. None of their stars in, and they're still able to get it done. And then for the Thunder, um, Alexev Pufkosevsky only playing five minutes again, two points. So he's very, you know, not, you know, not that big name that we were kind of looking at. And it's kind of a two-game stretch that he kind of got it done. So officially off of Pufkosevsky. Uh, Moses Brown still kind of getting it done at the five, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Darius Baisley led the team in scoring 26 points, 9 rebounds. So just nothing great from this Thunder team like we know, especially without Shea Gills-Alexander. So Pacers get the win, 122-116. All righty, and then we get the Suns and the 76ers. Yes, sir, Suns get the win here. This was one of our moneymaker picks, Suns minus one. And and if you weren't kind of following along with us on Twitter last night, uh, so we called the game um, on our live show. 
Suns minus one. And then it comes out that uh, Dan, or who was it? It was uh, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons were game time decisions when we locked in Suns minus one. A little bit closer to tip off. They're actually ruled out. And the spread goes to Suns minus three and a half. So we were able to get the good value at Suns minus one. And and look at this. The Suns only win by three. So if you waited until game time, Suns minus three and a half and took that, you would have lost because they only won by three. But that's why you got to watch our show live, folks. Value comes and goes value can disappear just like that we that's what we do on the show we find the value we try to find the value early on so we get even better value come game time so a little bit of risk and reward betting you know early on in the day you know hours away from tip-off knowing some game time decisions you could get some good value like this and it could help you win overall so that's what happened to us last night suns minus one we locked in they win by three bingo bango all right, let's start here with the Suns, and uh, let's start here with some tape because it almost went to the left, and Chris Paul going to the line up three, Suns up 116-113 over the 76ers. There's .8 seconds left on the clock. Chris Paul's at the line trying to ice this game at the free throw line, but he misses the second free throw. Joel Embiid catches the ball, flings it the entire length of the court, and it's literally, literally this close folks if you're only listening my fingers are super close together but that close of falling and going for the tie and Chris Paul would have looked like the ultimate clown missing a free throw that would have iced the game but very well done to Joel Embiid just to fling it like that I mean holy moly flung it one handed the entire length of the floor got the defensive rebound off the miss Chris Paul free throw and look at how close look folks it's literally in the cylinder it just unfortunately rims out at the very very last second absolutely absurd shot there that almost went down and would have just it would have broken Twitter it would have broken Twitter if it landed if it counted but uh Suns are able to hold on so let's start here with the Suns real quickly Chris Paul, 28 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds, 3 of 4 from the line, and almost, I mean, blew the game almost, uh, missing that one free throw. Uh, 5 of 8 from 3, really kind of took over scoring-wise everything in this game, so shout-out to Chris Paul, what a great game. Devin Booker, 19 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds on 42% shooting, 0 of 3 from 3. DeAndre Ayton was kind of getting bullied all day, 10 points, 5 rebounds, really had a hard time guarding Joel Embiid down low, which is obviously a given. I mean, he's he's definitely an MVP candidate I mean him missing all those games really kind of puts him out of the running unfortunately really kind of kind of zoning in on Jokic being kind of the clear-cut MVP now um, but uh, yeah DeAndre Ayan could have done a little he, he was still good he was a plus seven on the floor but 10 points five rebounds Jay Crowder once again kind of struggling against Joel Embiid as well three points four assists four rebounds he only played 13 minutes and shot one of seven one of six from three not a great night by him McCall Bridges 18 points four rebounds and then anything great off the bench they had some decent bench uh, production out here Cameron Johnson got us 15 points off the bench three assists four rebounds very well done Dario Sarek who we saw you know being a game time decision he ended up playing seven points, three assists off the bench. Uh, Javon Carter, nine points. Torrey Craig in only 17 minutes, four points, three assists, seven rebounds. So overall, a pretty good night. little lackluster scoring by Devin Booker, but that's where Chris Paul comes in and uh, some nice bench production there. 
All right, the 76ers now, we know no Ben Simmons, no Tobias Harris, no Seth Curry. So this was the starting lineup that they went with. Shake Milton at the one, Danny Green at the two, Matisse Thybulle at the three, Furkin Korkmaz at the four, and Joel Embiid at the five. So let's see how these players kind of shook out at their new position. So Shake Milton didn't really do too well out there. A minus 17 and only a three-point loss, really bad. Five points, two assists, two rebounds on 20% shooting, not very good. Danny Green did pretty good out there 18 points four assists four rebounds four of seven from three 50 percent from the field so you know he kind of stepped up his game at the starting you know two position i'll give him credit for that game Joel Embiid, 28 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 60% from the field as well. Furkin Korkmaz, 12 points, 2 rebounds. And then Matisse Dybiel, 0 points on 0 of 4 shooting. Not the greatest, but he did get some nice defense, a plus 4 on 35 minutes in play. Alrighty, off the bench, George Hill's been getting it done. I think he's been playing the last two games, so very well done for him to kind of get healthy, get back on the floor, and he's having some good production here. 11 points, 2 assists, a plus 5 on the floor. Tyrese Maxey off the bench for the 76ers, 14 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. Dwight Howard, 11 points, or 7 points, 11 rebounds in only 15 minutes. The rebound master out here off the bench, Dwight Howard. So, great night all around, kind of by the 76ers, trying to kind of overcome three main starters, not getting it uh, not able to kind of go tonight and they you know only lost by three so got to get it got to give it up for the 76ers to be competitive and got to give it up for the Suns for obviously winning the game so Suns win 116-113 we called it right let's let that be known <laughs> Alrighty, let's go to this game. Nets and the Raptors, and uh, Kyrie Irving cannot do it himself once again. Womp womp. Can't beat a Raptors team by yourself, Kyrie? Come on. Come on. Um, so, unfortunate loss by that Nets team, but uh, very well done for the Raptors to get it done. Fred Van Vliet back, Kyle Lowry back, Siakam still there, so Ken Birch still in the starting lineup as well. So, this is what the Raptors did last night. Fred Van Vliet, 17 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot 38% from the field, 5 of 10 from 3. That's pretty good. Um, Kyle Lowry, 14 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. He shot 3 of 9 from 3, 33% overall. Ken Birch at the 5, 8 points, 7 rebounds. Siakam at the 4, 27 points, 6 assists, 9 rebounds. Yes, sir. Siakam being a force offensively. Love seeing that again. And then OG Ananubi back at the 3, 25 points, 3 rebounds on 57% shooting. So a great night by the starters here, like we know of the Raptors. And then just decent off the bench. Gary Trent Jr., 5 points off the bench. Chris Boucher off the bench, 4 points, 7 rebounds. Uh, Malachi Flynn, who's been kind of going nuts these last couple of games, only 5 points off the bench. So nothing great off the bench, but the starters are able to get it done. So shout out to the Raptors starters. And now let's go to the Nets now. Why they lost. I mean, they lost by 11, folks. 114-103. So not great here. Kyrie Irving, 28 points, 8 assists, 11 rebounds, 2 of 5 from 3, 47% overall. Once again, just kind of decent. I mean, the stats are always looking good by Kyrie Irving, but they don't translate to wins, man. And I don't want to hear that this Nets team doesn't have anybody because they truly do still, even without Kevin Durant, even without freaking uh, James Harden. So don't want to hear it. Uh, Laundry Shamit. Um, at the starting shooting guard at the two, 10 points, but on 17% shooting on 17 shots, two of 12 from three. Absolutely trash there. Blake Griffin back in the starting lineup. I do not like that. Nine points, four rebounds. He only took two threes, so I can, you know, I do like that. I don't like him taking all those threes, but just I don't like his production in the starting lineup. I don't think he rises up to the occasion of being a starter. He gets the same production from the bench than he does in the starting rotation. Doesn't matter how many minutes he plays. So want to see Blake Griffin back off the bench. They they were a little light because they still didn't have Nicholas Claxton, so I get it a little bit. 
Jeff Green at the three or at the four, eight points, but once again, a 22% shooting, one of seven from three. Once again, Kyrie Irving not able to kind of facilitate the floor well enough. Um, you know, we see all these other players struggling to score the ball. We've seen a, Joe Harris have struggles, Jeff Green, Landry Shamit this game, but James Harden doesn't have those same struggles. So something is truly the difference there. I'll let y'all figure it out. Um, and then Joe, uh, Joe Harris, a little bit of a decent game here, 14 points on five, four or five from three. So that's fantastic. 50% overall just could have been a little bit better out here. We needed somebody to kind of be that second leading score for the squad, at least in the starting rotation. Anyway, we were able to get some great contribution by Bruce Brown off the bench, 21 points, 14 rebounds, Timothy Loawe Cabaret, little light, six points on 22% shooting. DeAndre Jordan had seven points and 12 rebounds off the bench. Pretty nice night. Uh, just unfortunately, the starters couldn't get it done for the Nets. I don't know what it is, but uh, Kyle, uh, Kyrie Irving should not have lost against this Raptors team. This Raptors team is nothing great. It's truly nothing great. They've got some nice starters, don't get us wrong, but there's nothing, that, there's nothing on that Raptors team that was so hard for this Nets team to stop that they should have lost. So, Kyrie Irving, once again, cannot lead a team to a win. Alrighty, let's go to the Warriors and the Wizards now. When this one bit us in the butt, we would have had a perfect moneymaker if the Warriors were a little bit better. We had the Warriors minus two when they lose by four, unfortunately. Um... Andrew Wiggins had a chance at a game-tying layup, and he missed it at, with eight seconds left in this game. Unfortunately, he misses it. Then they have to foul. That's where the four-point win comes from. So, unfortunate there by Andrew Wiggins. Couldn't be that clutch player that we needed. Truly unfortunate. But let's start with this Wizards team. Russell Westbrook, 14 points, 10 assists, 20 rebounds. He didn't shoot the best, and he had nine turnovers, and still were able to get the win. He shot 29% from the field. Um... Raul Neto at the two. They moved Bradley Beal to the three. Uh, so Raul Neto at the two. 18 points, three steals, four assists, three rebounds. That's what we're talking about here. Another uh, starter getting it done in the points department. So love that. Alex Len still at the five, still doing not great. Three points, three rebounds. Danny Avidaje, he got injured kind of, I think, in the early second quarter. Uh, got carted off with a, a, an ankle injury. But in the 13 minutes that he played, six minutes, three rebounds. Bradley Beal at the three, 29 points, 10 assists. He shot 38% and two of six from three, but he gave us a 29 points. So we'll definitely get behind that. And then off the bench, we can always count on Davis Burton's when he's playing 19 points, six rebounds, uh, four of 10 from three. And then Daniel Gafford also off the bench, 19 points, 10 rebounds. So very well done by Bra uh, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. And then we got some great production by Davis Burton's Daniel Gafford and Raul Neto were able to kind of help them all overcome this Warriors team. So shout out to this Wizards team. And like we said a little earlier in the show that the Wizards are now in the top 10. They are number 10 of the 10 seeds. So they can get in that playing tournament absolutely fantastic they are on a six game winning streak folks you got to give them their dues here they have went out and earned this chance at a playing tournament spot and i'm all about them kind of going out and securing it um at the back half of the season so very well done for the wizards last night able to get a nice win and then for the Warriors, Kelly Oubre Jr. back off the bench. Love it, love it, big time. I think this is where he fits perfectly, and he had a great night. So um, so let's start here with the starters of the Warriors. Steph Curry, 18 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. He shot 2 of 14 from 3. So the threes were not falling for Steph Curry last night and definitely hurt them overall. Kent Bazemore still in the starting lineup at the two. Uh, 19 points, six steals, three assists, nine rebounds. He shot four of six from three, 58% from the field. So he was getting it done. Love that. 
Kevon Looney at the 5, 6 points, 8 rebounds. Draymond Green, 8 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds on 0 of 2 of 3, 50% on 6 shots. And then Andrew Wiggins had the chance at the game-tying layup, unfortunately did not go. He had 14 points, 4 rebounds, 0 of 7 from 3, 25% overall from the field. So he had a real real tough night scoring. But overall, he was a plus 6 on the floor. So we got to give him some credit on a nice little 4-point loss. All right, and then off the bench, they got some great production here. Kelly Oubre Jr. coming off the bench. This is what we want to see from now on. Um, so fantastic to Kelly Oubre Jr. 24 points, 9 rebounds off the bench on 47% shooting. So that's definitely where he can thrive. Now, he did play 36 minutes, so still playing a lot of minutes, just not in that starting rotation. And I think that's kind of where he kind of fits in. And I know he was still playing with Steph Curry and some of the starters some of the time, but just having him coming off the bench, I think, is, I mean, he's still get, he's getting great production of just not being in that starting lineup. Getting Cat Bazemore out there, letting Kelly Oubre Jr. run with the starters and the second team to get it done. So I'm all about Kelly Oubre Jr. coming off the bench for this Warriors team. I think it's truly great. And then Jordan Poole also off the bench, 22 points, two steals, three rebounds on six of 10 from three. So very well done from him as well. Just unfortunately came up a little short. Steph Curry couldn't hit the threes. Andrew Wiggins couldn't hit the clutch shot, the clutch layup at the end of the game. And it cost them a win there. So a little unfortunate there. Uh, Steph Curry's MVP case took a little bit of a hit last night. Uh, you know, like we say, we can give Steph Curry the MVP, but he does need to be in the top six here in the West uh, for consideration because wins are a part of uh, being an MVP. Are you carrying your team to wins, good wins? Do you have a good playoff spot? Are you good, you know, kind of, uh, you know, compared to everybody else in the win column? So we do need to start seeing some more wins here. Steph Curry at number nine with only 29 wins still. So unfortunate loss for the Warriors last night. All right, now let's go to the Hawks and the Knicks here. We stayed away from this game. And, um, you know, everybody was getting injured in this game. I mean, we had Nerlens Null go down, you know, potential injury. Uh, Trey Young had a big old injury, went down, went out of the game, did not return. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, uh, Taj Gibson was leaking at one point in this game. It was just kind of a bloodbath in this game. And uh, uh, there were some casualties, unfortunately. Like we said, Trey Young, big injury here. So hopefully nothing serious. But uh, the Knicks are able to get another win here. Eight straight wins for this Knicks team in overtime, winning 137-127. Coming at the cost of a couple of players there for the Hawks. So let's start here with this Knicks team. Uh, Julius Randle, 40 points, 6 assists, 11 rebounds. Get this man MVP. Why not? Uh, Reggie Bullock, some nice clutch shots again for this man. 18 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 6 of 11 from 3. RJ Barrett, 16 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds. So great overall night by the starters, the main players. And then look at this off the bench. Derrick Rose, 20 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds off the bench. Emmanuel quickly, 20 points, 4 assists off the bench. So absolutely great production from the bench. Great production from the starters, and they're able to get it done. That's why the Knicks are on this 8-game winning streak. We're getting great play from everybody on this Knicks team. And then for the Hawks, like we said, Trey Young went down. Hopefully he's all right. But uh, before he went down in 29 minutes, he had 20 points, 14 assists, four steals, um, one of four from three, 35% overall from the field. So not the greatest, but I'll take those 14 assists all day with the 20 points. Fantastic. Uh, 
Bogdan Bogdanovich, 20 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. He's still getting it done at the shooting guard position. Clint Capella, 25 points, 22 rebounds, 9 of those offensive. Kevin Herter at the 3, 17 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds. John Collins back at the, uh, or Kevin Herter at the 4, John Collins at the 3. 18 points for John Collins, 3 rebounds to go along with that. So the starters, absolutely great night by them. Lou Williams, 11 points on 30% shooting. Definitely needs to be a little bit better, especially if Trey Young's going to be out for a long while. We need Lou Williams to pick up his offensive production tremendously. Um, and then nothing else really good off the bench. So big injuries here, big losses here for this Hawks team. Hopefully not too bad for Trey Young. But uh, shout out to the Knicks, man. Another big win here. Now where are they currently in the standings? Fourth? Fourth in the East. How crazy is that, man? Very well done for this Knicks team. And, uh, you know, if the season ended today, they faced the Hawks uh, in the first matchup. We just saw them win. And if they don't have Trey Young for the Hawks, I mean, this is going to be an easy one for the Knicks. So very well done for them to kind of secure the home court advantage if the Hawks and the Knicks kind of, you know, come down to the wire here in the back half of the season for the 4-5 seed. Uh, but well done for the Knicks of winning last night, getting it done in overtime. They win. They play close, man. They don't blow out teams, but, uh, you know, they're good in, you know, in the late fourth quarter. They're good in the overtimes to secure some wins, so got to give it up for them. Alrighty, let's move on to the Jazz and the Rockets. Alrighty, the Rockets. John Wall was playing, Christian Wood, Kelly Olynyk were playing, and once again, they lose by big time. Only putting up 89 points. Let's see if they floundered in the fourth quarter. They put up... Oh, they put up 26 points in the fourth quarter. Look at them go. But a lackluster second quarter only putting up 16 points. A lackluster third quarter putting up 20 points. So I guess we are going to have to shift the narrative from uh, the war, the Rockets not being good in the fourth quarter to just the Rockets will flounder a, a quarter. They will always have a lackluster quarter now. So Rockets only putting up 89 points. The offensive production is truly not great. Jazz get the win. Um, no Donovan Mitchell, obviously. So Mike Connolly, 11 points, 13 assists at the starting point guard position. Joe Ingles, 21 points, led the team in scorer, scoring for the starters. So very well done. Four assists, six rebounds, six of 10 from three. Rudy Gobert, 19 points, 18 rebounds. Fantastic. Royce O'Neal, 2 points, 13 rebounds. Bohan Bogdanovich, 14 points, 4 assists for him to round out the starters. And then we get Jordan Clarkson off the bench, 22 points, 5 rebounds. He's really making his case for 6th man of the year here. He'll probably win it by all the winning uh, that his team has been uh, doing here. Um, I mean, we really can't give it to Thaddeus Young because of the win. Same thing with Tim Hardaway Jr. So it's really just coming between Jordan Clarkson and Montrez Harrell here down the stretch. And, uh, you know, the Lakers, if they can start winning some games here, improving their kind of playoff positioning a little bit, we can potentially give it to uh, uh, Montrez Harrell out here. But we'll see how he kind of finishes out here. We've seen Montrez Harrell have a little lackluster games these last two, three games here where Jordan Clarkson, now that he's back um, off the injury, 20, 20 points off the bench every single night so we'll see how this kind of shakes up at the back or kind of when we're finishing up the season now but very well done for Jordan Clarkson and let's also shout out George's Niang off the bench here for the Jazz 13 points three assists three rebounds so usual Jazz game and now for the Rockets John Wall 21 points six assists three rebounds on 42 percent shooting Armani Brooks gets into the starting lineup at the two only six points on 18 percent shooting but he did have 10 rebounds so I'll give him that 
Christian Wood, 16 points, 8 rebounds. Kelly Olenek, 10 points, 7 rebounds on 57% shooting. And then Ja'Shawn Tate at the 3, 8 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. And then nothing great from the bench. So very, very lackluster offense by that Rockets team. That's why we stay away from them now permanently. They will never get us again. <laughs> All right, Mavericks, Pistons, Mavericks get the win, 127-117. So a nice win here by the by the Mavericks over the Pistons. Luka Doncic, 30 points, 9 assists, 10 rebounds. Kristaps Porzingis playing the four, a little interesting here. 19 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds, so a great night by him. Dwight Powell slides over to the starting five. Uh, only 11 minutes starting, 11 or 6 points, 3 rebounds. Josh Richardson at the 2, 12 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds, and Dorian Finney-Smith, 11 points. Off the bench, Jalen Brunson, 20 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Very well done. And then Tim Hardaway Jr., 15 points, 2 assists, 1 rebound, plus 13 on the floor. He was the plus, uh, the highest plus-minus on the floor for this Mavericks team, so shout-out to him as well. Nice night by Tim Hardaway Jr., can always kind of count on him off the bench, and they're able to get it done. So love that Maxi Kleber is no longer in the starting lineup. He doesn't really do anything. Um, Willie Colney Stein uh, back here for this team, eight points, four rebounds off the bench in only 12 minutes, so not bad either. And then J.J. Redick also only playing 12 minutes off the bench, two of five from three, six points already. So the Mavericks get a win. For the Pistons, Jeremy Grant was back, Mason Plumlee back in the starting lineup, and they can't get a win, unfortunately. No great bench production for this P Pistons team. Um, all the starters got it done. Corey Joseph, 24 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Mason Plumlee, 13 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. Fantastic night. Jeremy Grant, 26 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Uh, Sadiq Bay, 11 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. The rookie trying to get it done here. And then Josh Jackson to round out the starters, 12 points, 5 assists. So Pistons, a little lackluster from their bench. Nothing great. Wayne Ellington had 11 points, but that was it. That was their only double-digit figure score. So the Mavericks get the win. Uh, more games out here. Man, oh, man. Long night in the NBA last night, truly. All right. Pit, uh, let's move on to the Heat and the Spurs now. <laughs> Try to finish up these last four games. Uh, so Heat get the win, 107-87 over the Spurs. Nice 30-point win. We had the Heat plus one, folks. We had them plus one, and they win by 30. Easy peasy there. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 18 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. Trevor Reza, 3 points, 4 rebounds on only 5 shots. Bam Adebayo, 23 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds. Very well done by that man. Led the team in scoring as well. Duncan Robinson, uh, 10 points, 2 rebounds on 2 of 7 from 3. Needs to be better. Needs to be more consistent. Kendrick Nunn, 9 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds. Goran Dragic off the bench, only 9 points. Tyler Hero, though, finally steps it up big time here. 22 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, 5 of 6 from 3. 61% overall. So a decent scoring night throughout Tyler Hero gets it done. Bam Adebayo gets it done. Jimmy Butler gets it done. And they're able to beat this lackluster Spurs team who only put up 87 points. I mean, DeMar DeRozan who put up 15 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Jacob Poto only put up 8 points, 9 rebounds. Derek White, 13 points, 7 assists. DeJounte Murray, 11 points. So no, really. I mean, those, the main, there was only 3 players in double-digit scoring here for this Spurs team. So very lackluster for them, and, they're able to, and that's why they lose. All right, then we get the Clippers and the Grizzlies and the Clippers. Another win. Very well done. Kawhi Leonard didn't play. Paul George did play. Got it done. Or Paul George did not play. Wow. Paul George didn't play. 
gets it done. Wow, very well done. Reggie Jackson didn't even play. Rondo didn't play. And this Clippers team was still able to beat this Grizzlies team without uh, their big Valanchunas. That was the man who didn't play last night for them. And they get the win. So very well done for this Clippers team. I mean, once again, another reason why this Clippers team could go far in this playoff run because of all these kind of, you know, load management games or just injury games. So gives other players, kind of secondary player, role players, a chance to get, you know, in the primary, in the thick of it, as you will. And, you know, perform well and see what it's like out there in starting minutes and what they can do and what they're great at. So I think this is really going to help them out here. So Terrence Mann, this was the starting lineup for the Clippers last night. Terrence Mann at the one, Luke Kennard at the two, Amir Coffey at the three, Marcus Morris still at the four, Zubak still at the five. And they all got it done collectively offensively for this starting team. So Terrence Mann, 19 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, great night. Luke Kennard, 28 points on 6 of 7 from 3, fantastic night, 7 rebounds to go along with that. Zubak, 18.7 rebounds. Marcus Morris led the team or led the team second in scoring, 25 points, 4 rebounds on 4 of 6 from 3. And then Amir Coffey, 8 points. Two assists, two rebounds, shot 16%, not the greatest there. Nothing truly great off the bench. I mean, Marcus, DeMarcus Cousins is still playing light minutes, even though, you know, they bring him in, you know, there's nobody else playing. So, you know, you would expect him to get a lot of minutes. But in 14 minutes, six points, 10 rebounds, that was really it. So... Nothing great from the bench, but the starters were all able to get it done and truly lackluster from this Grizzlies team. Valanchunas being out and really everything collapsed. John Morant led the team in scoring 22 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds on 4 of 6 from 3, 60% overall. So that was good, but Grayson Allen, 6 points on only 4 shots. Why is he taking less shots when Valanchunas is out? We need scoring now. Uh, Xavier Tillman fills in for Valanchunas at the 5 and didn't have a bad night. 8 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, but still not not enough to get it done, plus a minus 12 on the floor. Kyle Anderson, 12 points, 3 rebounds. Dylan Brooks, 8 points on 27% shooting, so just nobody was able to make up the lackluster, the scoring production that was lost with Valanchunas not being in the starting lineup. Off the bench, they got Desmond Bain with 10 points and Jaron Jackson with 15 points, 8 rebounds, so not bad, but once again, overall, they lose against that Clippers team. Really not not good. Not good for this Grizzlies team. And once again, why we cannot buy this Grizzlies team too much, honestly. It's just, it's always, it's always something with this Grizzlies team, man. And they're never that good above 500. So can't root for them too much. Losing against the B squad of the Clippers, not a good look. Alrighty, and Blazers, Nuggets, and Damian Lillard was playing, and they lose. Darn, man. Norman Powell has a chance at the game-winning floater that does not go another. I think this is a four straight losses for this kind of for this Blazers team where they lose by like one point. No clutch gene. I only want Damian Lillard taking the last shot. I don't know how many times we have to see them lose by one point. It's Damian Lillard or nothing. I know he's been out for the last couple of games, but I still would have shoved him out there take the last shot I don't care that you your your ankles acting up I do not care get out there I do not care that you're legally not allowed to play this game because you're not dressed or anything like that I do not care we're making the exception we're pushing Damian Lillard out there he's the only clutch player on this Blazers team another loss here one point by the Nuggets. Another win for this Nuggets team without Jamal Murray. Got to give it up for this team. Another reason why Jokic probably has to be the clear-cut MVP. Hit another clutch shot in this game late in the game. So, got to give it up for Jokic here, honestly. And I think he's going to be the runaway MVP. For Joel Embiid, he's missed too many games. Seth, Seth Curry needs to kind of, you know, get into that sixth seed, which I don't really see happening. 
Um, who else we got here? Damian Lillard, he's missed too many games here. Now he's losing games he just lost against, you know, another MVP candidate. Never great there, so... And Giannis, I mean, uh, he's missed a couple of games himself. And I got to give it to just Jokic overall. I think he makes a little bit more of an impact. You can count on him in the big moments where Giannis, he kind of flounders in the big moments a little bit too much. So, And uh, we can also respect Jokic's kind of three-point game a little bit more than Giannis's. So I think we got to give it to Jokic right now, man. Unfortunate. Well... Depending on how you look at it, great for him. But uh, you know, having Jokic as the MVP when we're when we've got you know all these other great names out there. But uh, gotta give it up for him. We'll give it up for him here. We won't uh, knock on him too much. But let's start here with the Nuggets from last night. Facundo Capazzo still at the one. Austin Rivers did play off the bench as well. So we saw him just sign that 10-day contract with the Nuggets. So we'll get into him when we get to the bench. But Facundo Capazzo at the one. Will Barton at the two. Porter Jr. at the three. Aaron Gordon at the four. And Jokic at the five. So this is what the Nuggets did last night. Facundo Capazzo, 12 points, three assists, five rebounds on four. Five from three. 66% overall from the field. Will Barton, 14 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. He shot 2 of 8 from 3, 38% from the field, so could have been a little bit better there. Jokic, 25 points, 5 assists, 9 rebounds. He shot 1 of 6 from 3. He The one 3 that he did make, uh, I think, was late in the uh, late in the fourth quarter, I think. Or that was a mystery. No, I think he missed it, and they didn't call the foul, but they are able to get the offensive rebound, uh, something like that. But either way, Jokic, good night there. Aaron Gordon, 12 points, 3 assists, 6 rebounds. Once again, he's not shooting efficient. 36% from the field. He did take a lot more shots than we're kind of used to uh, his last couple of games, you know, where he's putting up like 5, 4 shots a game. But puts up 11 here, still only 12 points. Not really anything too great by Aaron Gordon. And then Michael Porter Jr., 17 points, 2 assists, 5 rebounds, 1 of 4 from 3. A little light on what he does. Uh, but overall, they're able to kind of overcome this, war uh, this Blazers team, so very well done. Off the bench, let's talk about Austin Rivers now. He only played 13 minutes, 5 points, 3 rebounds on uh, 1 of 1 from 3, so that's good. He shot uh, 1 of 2 from the field overall. Paul Millsap, 9 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. That's pretty good. P.J. PJ Dozier, 7 points, 7 rebounds. Not bad. So, Nuggets able to sweep out a 1-point win now. Now for the Blazers, Damian Lillard, 22 points, 2 steals, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 of 10 from 3, 39% overall, needs to be a little bit more efficient from 3 here. I know it's his first game back, so we'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, we're in the crunch time now, folks. We really can't be excusing too many bad performances here. All right, CJ McCollum still at the two, 14 points, 5 assists, 9 rebounds. He shot 2 of 7 from 3. Once again, could have been a little bit better. Yusuf Nurchich back in the starting lineup, so we saw him not play in their last game because of a coach's decision. Now back at the starting lineup, 8 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, a minus 4 on the floor in a 1-point loss. It's not bad. Robert Covington, 12 points, 8 rebounds. And then Norman Powell, 17 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 40% overall. Unfortunately, just missed the, the game winner. And he was a plus 7 on the floor. So Norman Powell, I think, is kind of you know working out that kind of trade for the Blazers and the Raptors. I really think worked out in favor for both teams, honestly. I can't really see one team having a more advantage over the other. Gary Trent Jr. with the Raptors now. Norman Powell here with the Blazers. Uh, I think Norman Powell is a really great addition to this team, and he's getting it done here. Alrighty, off the bench, Ennis Cantor back off the bench, 11 points, 4 rebounds in uh, 18 minutes. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, 12 points, 4 rebounds. He was a plus 2 on the floor. Just unfortunate that they just lost. It's a 1 point close loss for this Nuggets, or for this Blazers team, so truly unfortunate there. 
Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, the Kings and the Timberwolves and Buddy Heald hit a big old clutch shot that helped them win 128-125 over the Timberwolves, so... Close loss here for the Timberwolves, but still a good game. I mean, everybody is still getting it done, and we still can love this Timberwolves team. So just because they lose against the Kings, not not a big deal for us, truly. This Kings team, I mean, we know they can kind of, you know, score the ball at a high pace most nights, and that was what happened last night. So we'll start here with the Kings since they won. De'Aaron Fox, 30 points, 7 assists, 1 of 6 from 3, and he still put up 30 points. Uh, Buddy healed 29 points, 7 of 11 from 3. We know he loves his 3s. Uh, 5 assists, 6 rebounds. Hassan Whiteside at the 5 still, only in 13 minutes, though. 4, or four points, 2 rebounds. Maurice Harkless, 7 points. Harrison Barnes, 22 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds to round out the starters. And then off the bench, Tyrese Halliburton, 16 points, 6 assists. Pretty gosh darn good. And then uh, Chemezi Metu, 10 points off the bench in 13 minutes. We'll take that. So uh, nice clutchness by Buddy Heald, able to win the game. Now let's go to the Timberwolves now. Ricky Rubio is still in the starting lineup. D'Angelo Russell is still coming off the bench, but they are still playing equal minutes. So once again, we will see. Will they ever make the switch to D'Angelo Russell back in the starting lineup? I do not know. Uh, Ricky Rubio, though, uh, 11 points, 6 assists. He shot 44%. Anthony Edwards, 16 points. He shot 2 of 7 from 3, 40% overall. Could have been a little bit better there. Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 6 assists for 5 rebounds. J.D. McDaniel, 7 points on 50% shooting. And Josh Okuji, 7 points, 4 rebounds on 50% shooting as well at the 3. So, not terrible overall by the starters here. Definitely could have expected a little bit more from Anthony Edwards. A little bit more from Carl Anthony Towns on like the defensive end of the ball. We see it was a minus 21 on the floor. I mean, geez, Louise in a 3-point loss. Tw minus 21, not great there. But we see this kind of bench for the Timberwolves, and that shouldn't surprise us because we got D'Lo running the floor here. So, D'Angelo Russell off the bench, 15 points, 9 assists, 3 rebounds, 50% shooting in 28 minutes, leading the floor of the second team. Juancho Hernana Gomez, 16 points, 2 rebounds off the bench. And then Naz Reed, 24.7 rebounds off the bench. So, we truly have a good kind of bench squad here facilitated by D'Angelo Russell, and that kind of gives this Timberwolves that extra oomph that they need. Unfortunately, did not play to fruition last night with the Timberwolves getting the loss, 128-125. Alrighty, that is all the NBA from last night. We'll do our moneymaker today. We are going to do our moneymaker live here. We'll see what we get. Probably we'll have to move Justin Fields to tomorrow, or maybe we just have to freaking not do it, man. We are getting close to the draft, and we still have so much to do. I mean, I thought we were giving ourselves plenty of times on that freaking uh, plenty of time on that 73-day countdown here. But, uh, man, oh, man, doing, you know, basketball in full swing, NFL in full swing. Once this NBA season's over and we can go full swing into the uh, into the NFL offseason, it's going to be nice, man. But uh, we do still have to fit in the NBA, man. And, uh, you know, the, the main difference between the NBA and the NFL season, I mean, we have a week to break down any every NFL game, which is great. I mean, we take that entire week. We break it down all seven days, honestly. Um, where this, uh, where basketball, I mean, we're talking game back-to-back -back games. We can't really get into it. And it's, you know, what much uh, and how much can we dissect it? It's, it's a make or miss. I mean, you hit the shot, you don't hit the shot. I mean, that's really all you can really kind of talk about here. You can facilitate some rotations, which we've been saying. I mean, we've been saying 
saying that Kelly Oubre Jr. does not work with Steph Curry. Now he's off the bench. We've been saying that Thaddeus Young, his production is the same off the bench and in the starting lineup, and we see him now back on the bench. So we can play around with some rotations, which we do, but that's really all we can kind of do here in the NBA season besides just kind of breaking out game by game every single day. So do still got to fit in the basketball here, folks. Alrighty. But let's go to what we have on deck for tonight because we do have nationally televised games. Fantastic. There were none on last night, unfortunately, and some great basketball games. Uh, but let's see what we have for tonight. Like we said, we went 2-1 last night officially. But let's update these lines and see what we have for tonight's NBA action. Um, and then just to kind of recap what's on tonight, we get the Suns and the Celtics. Man, oh, man, the Suns. Back-to-back -back games like this. Let's see if they can keep it up. Pelicans Magic, 76ers Bucks, nationally televised games, back-to-back -back game for the 76ers. Let's see how they are they are able to kind of compete with this kind of good Bucks team in the East. Pistons, Spurs, Hornets, Bulls, Lakers, Mavericks is the late game, 9:30. Anthony Davis makes his return to LA. So we'll see if we get some good value here. So here we go. First game up, 76ers, Bucks. 76ers plus eight, Bucks minus eight. So I'm assuming just by this kind of spread before we look in the ins and outs, I mean Giannis, somebody does is not playing here for the 76ers. Because if the, if everybody's healthy and everybody's playing for the 76ers, we take the eight. But let's see what we get. 76ers, Seth Curry is a game-time decision. Tobias Harris is a game-time decision. Ben Simmons is a game-time decision. So Joel Embiid is playing. That's huge, man. I thought he would probably be out for this plus-eight spread, but I'm taking that all day. What are we, nuts out here? Let's see if we get anything concrete here in NBA Fantasy Labs for Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons. Anything new? Any news here? Jason Tatum is available to play. Kemba Walker is available to play today. Um, alright, it doesn't look like we're going to get really any information here. Joel Embiid says he's plan he plans to play Thursday. Alrighty. But as for the others, we really do not know. I'm assuming all these other players are going to play second game of a back-to-back, -back, still being game-time decisions. We're going to rock with the 76ers plus A here. Um, and then for the Bucks, just Giannis Antetokounmpo is a game-time decision. I'm assuming he plays as well. Um, so I got everybody playing here in the 76ers in the Bucks. I'm taking the 76ers plus eight. I mean, they keep games close. It's not like they don't. It's not like they lose games in this Bucks team. They don't really beat the good teams like consistently good or like blow them out ever. And you know, the 76ers and the Bucks kind of match up great. They go, both have kind of bigs all around the floor. You got Giannis. You got Joel Embiid. Um, you've got, you know, the better outside shooting of the 76ers. You know, that is still a little bit of a problem here for the Bucks here, the outside shooting. So we'll see if it's on point here. Everybody back here for the 76ers. A crushing loss last night for the 76ers. Still being competitive, missing three of their starters and still only lost by three. So I'm going to take the eight here for the 76ers. Yes, on a back-to-back, -back, but I think there is still some fuel to their fire, especially three of their starters potentially, I think, will be playing this game. So 76ers plus eight. We'll take that value all day long. Yes, sir. Alrighty, next game up. Pelicans and the Magic. Pelicans minus eight. Magic plus eight and a half here. Magic or Pelicans minus eight and a half. Magic plus eight and a half. Let's see who's in and out here. James Johnson is a game time decision for the Pelicans. Josh Hart is still out. And same thing with Nikhil Alexander Walker still out. So still relying on Lonzo Ball heavy, but they've lost their last three games with him in the starting lineup back in action. So I don't know. And then for the Magic here, Terrence Ross, game time decision. James Ennis, game time decision. Out of Porter, out. Michael Carter Williams, out. So. Uh, the usual suspects out for the Magic. So we're going to stay away from this one. I can't believe in this Pelicans team just quite yet. Minus the 8.5. Yes, Zion. 
Yes, Zion's great. Yes, Brandon Ingram's really good. But, I mean, other than that, there's nothing great on this team. I like Steven Adams, don't get me wrong. But Lonzo Ball can't win. Eric Bledsoe at the two is just really lackluster every game. It just doesn't do anything great. So, I'm not going to bet on the Pelicans tonight. Let's see if they can win a game first. What are they on, a three-game losing streak right now? What do they got? Is it even worse? Four games, four games. I mean, how do you lose against the Nets? Well, I guess you can lose to the Nets, but you lose against the Knicks, the Wizards, the Knicks again. I mean, what are we doing out here, man? What are we doing? Uh, so we are not betting the Pelicans here. And the Magic are just trash on their own. I mean, they got nobody, so we're not taking the points there either. All right, but let's go to this one. Suns and the Celtics. Suns minus one and a half. Celtics plus one and a half. And I kind of like the Celtics here early on just because of the Suns in the back-to-back -back and how they won. Uh, so here we go. For the Suns, Jay Crowder is the game-time decision. Interesting. And then for the Celtics, Evan Fournier is still out. Jeez Louise, we're not going to take the Celtics now because they don't have any bench. If Evan Fournier was playing, I'd take the Celtics here. Uh, Jalen Brown is the game-time decision. And Robert Williams is still out. Man, oh, man. So they're bigs. I mean, going to have to rely on maybe Moritz Wagner a little bit more. Um, so we'll see what happens here, but just going to kind of watch this one. I don't want to bet the Suns team on a back-to-back -back only. I mean, I'd have to swallow a point and a half here, different with the 76ers where I get plus eight points. So going to stay away from the Suns. I want to see what the Celtics team can do. A huge game to kind of gauge what the Celtics team can do here. Uh, so going to be a good one to watch if you can watch it. It's not the uh, primetime game on today, unfortunately. Um, should be. Should be better. Uh, 76ers box is still a good one too, I guess. Um, so we'll stay away from Sun Celtics. All right, then we get the Pistons in the Spurs. Pistons plus eight and a half. Spurs minus eight and a half. Mm, ah. We just take this garbage game. Um, Dennis Smith, the game time decision for the Pistons. Rodney Magruder is the game time decision for the Pistons. And then for the Spurs, Trey Lyles is out. Well, both these teams in a back-to-back. -back, both these teams very lackluster. Uh, Spurs are 10th in the West trying to kind of cling on to that kind of playing tournament spot. They just got blown out by 30 last night against the Heat, like we've said. And uh, this Pistons team is nothing great. So I do like the Pistons plus 8.5 here. But we're going to stay away from it just because there's, I mean, there's trash teams, folks. We don't like betting on two trash teams here so we'll stay away from Pistons Spurs Hornets Bulls Hornets plus one Bulls minus one interesting here we know Zach Levine is still out for the Bulls and Troy Brown is a game time decision and then for the Hornets just their usual suspect Gordon Hayward Malik Monk and LaMelo Ball so we'll see if the Bulls can kind of get back on track they just lost their kind of play in their play in tournament positioning last night they fell from 10 to 12 last night so a huge must win game for them tonight we'll see how they kind of fare and we know this Hornets team they got some good news LaMelo Ball is gonna be coming back you know probably in the next week so we'll see if they kind of, you know, have their, you know, fire lit underneath them to go out and get the win here tonight. So, um, we're going to take this one because I do kind of want to bet this one and I want to kind of make our moneymaker a little bit beefier. So we're going to go with the Hornets here tonight. We're going to say that, you know, the LaMelo ball kind of news lifts them up a little bit. This Bulls team in a back-to-back. I don't think they get it done, man. Besides Vucevic, I mean, nobody else shows us anything great. Kobe White needs to be more consistent. I know he's still young, but gosh darn. I mean, if you want to have a winning team, you got to start making an impact now. And uh, there's nobody else to do it, so might as well step up. No, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity to step up is the main point here. So we're going to go the Hornets plus one here. We're going to rely on them. 
Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, Lakers and the Mavericks. Lakers plus three, Mavericks minus three. LeBron out. Marcus All game time decision. Markeith Morris game time decision. Anthony Davis is going to be playing. Andre Drummond game time decision. Jenna Schroeder game time decision. And then for the Mavericks, Maxi Kleber game time decision and Tyrell Terry out. But we are going to be betting the Lakers tonight. Uh, Mavericks on a back-to-back hurts them a little bit here that energy that I, that um, Anthony Davis is going to bring to this team by just being there on the floor for them we're going to take that all day Lakers plus three I think they went out right Anthony Davis's first game back let's start things out right let's start getting wins under this Lakers team belt to kind of improve their playoff positioning a little bit and I think uh, it's just a little bit too much here for the Mavericks on the back-to-back -back. so Lakers plus three I love it all right, so that's going to be our moneymaker for tonight's action. 76ers, my, or 76ers plus eight. How crazy. I love it. Hornets plus one and the Lakers plus three. Taking the points today, folks. Love it. All right, so that's going to do it for us today. Um, let's see if anything's breaking as we were live. Anything good here? Any news? Any news? Any news? Ooh, what is this? Um, oh, that's just nothing. That's nothing. Alrighty. Alrighty, folks. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back tomorrow. We'll see how we do Justin Fields, but uh, we got to skip him for today. We're running a little late on the show. So, alrighty, folks. We're out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow, folks. Noon Eastern live every day.